You're listening to the Sermon Podcast from Real Life on the Palouse, reaching the world for Jesus, one person at a time. My name is JT Manning, and I'm excited to get to be here with you today on our first Sunday ever, fully preaching and showing up in masks. Not everybody gets to be here for the first Sunday. A lot of people went out of town instead of showing up in masks. So you get to say that you were part of the few and the proud that actually showed up and tried it. So I feel like it's a big deal. I feel pretty honored to get to at least try it. Uh, and uh, I, I get to manage Eastside Marketplace here on both behalf of uh, Real Life as well as our tenants so that we continue to find ways to partner and uh, bless the community through, through Eastside and uh, all of the people that come and go through Eastside. So that, that, that's who I am and kind of what I get to do. And uh, I'm really excited to get to continue this series on uh, the parables as we look at the parable of the shrewd manager today. And uh, before I go there, I want to review uh, the first parable we looked at, the parable of the soils. Um, it's a great parable to start with because it gives us the opportunity to prepare our hearts. It's uh, the parable of where there was the, the soil full of rocks. Um, and that's a reminder that we need to be taking the time to pick the rocks out of our heart as the, these moments of, of seed being cast down from God, where he casts his word in, into our hearts, are, are our hearts full of rocks where the seed can't take root, or the, the, the weeds, you know, are, are our hearts full of weeds where the, the seed that God, God casts into our hearts can't take root because the weeds choke it out? Or, or then again, do we have hard hearts, much like the path where the birds show up and pick up, pick up the seed and the seed doesn't take root? because we, we let too many distractions distract us away from what God is doing. Or then again, do we have a, a fertile soil that, where there are no weeds and there is no rocks and it has been softened that can yield 60, 80, and 100 times the normal crop because we, we took the time to do the work so that our hearts would be prepared for what God has to say, uh, that, that his words would show up this morning and that we would hear what, what he has to say for us, not, not what I have to say. Uh, so I wanted to start there uh, because today we're going to be looking at Luke 16 with the parable of the shrewd manager. And, and the parable of the shrewd manager for me really starts in Luke 15 because you have these other parables all in a line. And when I see that, I, I can't help but to think that Luke would have taken the time to be connecting all of these things. And, and so the audience Jesus starts talking to is the, these, these people who are tax collectors and sinners, the, the people who, who we might consider to be unbelievers because they're the tax collectors and sinners. And he tells this first parable about a, a shepherd who had a hundred sheep and one wandered off. It didn't know any better. And so instead of just letting it go, he chose to take his time to go find that sheep, bring it back and celebrate the return. And likewise, there's this, this woman who has 10 silver coins and she loses one. And instead of just writing it off, she, she chooses to take her time to clean the house, find the coin and celebrate the return. And, and again, the coin didn't know any better. But then there's a, a, another parable where this man had a son and the son decided, Dad, I, I don't, I don't want to be here anymore. I just want my inheritance. He leaves, he runs off, he loses it all, realizes, repents, changes his mind and chooses to go home. And the father, who should have been offended, instead of pushing him away, says, no, you're my son. You come into my house. You are welcomed into my home. And he chose to celebrate the return of his son. And he chose to accept his son back into his home. And, and that then is where we come into to Luke 16, where God, Jesus turns from the, the tax collectors and sinners, and he turns to his disciples. Now, now he's talking directly to you and I. 
He's talking directly to the people who say that they follow him every day. And that's where our, our, our parable picks up here in Luke, Luke 16. Jesus told his disciples, there was a rich man whose manager was accused of wasting his possessions. So he called him in and asked him, what is this I hear about you? Give an account of your management because you can no longer be manager. The manager said to himself, what shall I do now? My master is taking away my job. I'm not strong enough to dig and I'm too ashamed to beg. He's worried about his status and his position. He says, I, I have this position now, but, but he's in the culture of honor and shame and he's honored now to dig or to beg. He would be dishonored and shamed and lose position. So all of a sudden he's worried about do I get to keep my position or am I going to lose my position? I know what I'll do so that when I lose my job here, people will come welcome me into their houses. So he called in each one of his master's debtors. He asked the first, how much do you owe my master? 900 gallons of olive oil, he replied. The manager told him, take your bill, sit down quickly and make it 450. So he cut the first debt in half by 50%. And then again, he asked the second, and how much do you owe? A thousand bushels of wheat, he replied. He told him, take your bill and and make it 800. So 20% cut on on what he owed. And and this wasn't just simply cutting cutting these debts down. This wasn't his money to begin with, potentially. So in, in an Enron style 2001, he decides to cook the books. In a 2008 financial crisis, he decided to go full Bear Stearns on it. He chose to use someone else's money for his own gain because he was worried about himself. But the master gets word, apparently, because now the master has something to say. The master commends him, which I had to read about 15 times before I finally believed that it was commends. And so I had to look it up in the Greek and make sure the definitions matched because this doesn't make sense to me. And the definition of the word commended, used, is to approve or praise. So it's not even been mistranslated, it's the right word. So the master actually commended him, which made me very curious about what what he did. Because the master commended the dishonest manager because he has acted shrewdly. So shrewdness, apparently that's the thing worth commending here for this master. This master decided shrewdness is the thing to be uh, highlighting. So I went and I, I looked at what, sh- what it meant to be shrewd. Where has where this word shrewd been used? And over and over again, I, I looked at examples until I found two examples that stood out above all the others. Uh, the, the first is in Genesis 3. There's this, this serpent who is craftier or more shrewd than all the other animals. It's the same word. And this, the serpent goes to the woman and says, hey, listen, you need to go get yours while the going's good. Because if you don't go get it now, there's not going to be enough later. You don't have enough wisdom. You don't have enough knowledge. So you need to go and start taking. Go take for you because someone's holding out on you. God is holding out on you. So go up to that tree, grab the apple because you need more knowledge and wisdom. You don't have enough. You aren't going to be able to fulfill your role if you don't go get it now. And so it's all about, you don't have enough. Oh, there's limited resources. I need to go take these limited resources for me. I need to choose what's for me. I need to take my rights for me and what I need and what I want first. That's the first type of shrewdness. 
And then the second type of shrewdness is this man, Joseph. This man, Joseph, is taken and he's put in charge of all of Egypt. He is second in command only to Pharaoh. And during seven years of of plenty, he then saves up for seven years of famine. And it was his shrewdness or prudence, it will also be translated, that took the time to do this. And because of his shrewdness, he he saved the entire nation of, of Egypt. Because he saved up during those seven years. Then again, he saved the neighbors of Egypt. We know that because the people of Uh, His 11 brothers and his father were also saved because of Joseph's decision and his management and his prudence or shrewdness to take the time to save up for during seven bad years for the seven good years. So it is this, this prudence and shrewdness that focused on others, of giving to others, where I, I don't just take care of myself, I take care of others. And in taking care of others, it is amazing how over and over again Joseph was taken care of too. He, he, he ate plenty. He had plenty of food during the famine. The nation had plenty of food during the famine. His brothers and his family and his father and his mother had plenty of food during the famine because he chose to be prudent and shrewd for others first, not himself first. So those are our two types of, of shrewdness. And, and with that, that's also the end of the parable. which is confusing because what should have come ha- happened? What should have come next? W- was the manager fired? D- did he get to keep his job? Did he lose his job? Did he have to go dig and beg? Was he accepted into his friends' houses? Or did he... We don't know. We don't know what came next. We're left in this tension where the manager was just commended for being shrewd, and that's the end of the story. And much like the attention at the end of this story, I don't know about you, but I also feel the tension today. Where, where I got to preach eight weeks ago and was talking about having our apple carts upset and turned over, today I stand here and I don't know that I feel too much different. Except that I stand here in a tension. A, a, a tension between one foot that I have firmly planted and the life that I knew of the, the routines and the regularity where... I knew that on on Sunday I would have church and Monday I'd have home group and then I would go throughout the rest of my week and then Saturday would be farmer's market and then Sunday and then over and over again the cycle and rhythm that I knew that I miss and that I long for, I have one foot firmly planted and missing that, wishing that was still here. And then again, I have my other foot planted in this life that comes next. The life of I don't know what's going on right now and I don't know what's going to come next, and I have to figure out how to live today in the midst of this tension with a foot firmly planted in each life, waiting to find out what comes next. And I don't know about you, but I am unsettled, I'll be honest. I don't have what comes next figured out, but I get to stand here and live in this tension. And as much as I would love to have answers, I don't really have answers. The truth of the situation is, is I, I chose this parable because it's one of the few parables Jesus actually explains, which is great because then that gives us an opportunity to know what comes next from Jesus, not not from me, because I haven't got it figured out. And so Jesus continues as he explains the parable. 
it goes on. For the people of the world are more shrewd in dealing with their own kind than the people of the light. Okay, people of the world are the people of the world, the people outside of the walls. The people that Jesus isn't talking to right now of the disciples. The people of the light are this group called the Essenes. They were dedicated to the text. If you want to go learn more, I absolutely recommend that you do, uh, but I don't have time uh, to explain everything about it. It just didn't apply the way I would want it to. Um, but it's, it's an incredible... It's an incredible research and, and learning, if, you, if you'd like to go learn and, and find that. Um, but then the passage continues. I tell you, use worldly wealth to gain friends for yourselves, so that when it is gone, you'll be welcomed into eternal dwellings. In other words, use the shrewdness now to focus on your neighbor and take care of your neighbor and others first. And when this life is gone, you'll be taken care of. You, you have what you have today for others, not yourself. God prepared you for this time. If you want to talk, think of Eve in the garden, she, she was told that she wasn't going to have enough and she needed to go get hers while the going was good. Whereas Joseph saved up during the good times for the rest of the world to succeed and live. The passage continues. Whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. So even now, where we feel like we have so little and we're trying to figure out what little life we do have as we find out new new restrictions and new guidelines and uh, the the different movements of of what's going on in life right now, we continue to to feel, I, I feel restricted. But if I can't manage what I have now well, then why would I ever have more? So if you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? And if you have not been trustworthy with someone else's property, who will give you property of your own? No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate one and love the other, or you'll be devoted one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. No one can serve two masters for the people in the back. No one can serve both God and money. Because if all we're worried about is getting ours while the going is good, then we're never focused on giving for others. And we're never focused on taking care of God's people, our relationships with God's people. Because we can always make more money. You can Google it. There are, there are tons of ways to make more money. Google will tell you whatever you need. I, and I'm glad to help you Google it if you need. But there's always ways to make more money. The relationships we have with people will always be limited. That is a limited resource. The time we have here on earth is a limited resource. We cannot make more of that. The space we are given as we live here today is a limited resource. We do not get to make more space. Trust me, I'm a property manager. I know something about space. So our relationships, our time, and our space are all limited. How we deal with those will show others and show God our hearts. And, or if we're focused on money, then we're going to be looking for money and getting what we can while we can, when we can, for us, for me, for now. And just in case we were distracted, there's one more point to be made in the midst of this. Because the Pharisees who loved money heard this and were sneering at Jesus. 
Now, if we go back to the beginning, we know that Jesus was talking to the disciples. If he's talking to the disciples, that means in and amongst the disciples, there were Pharisees. And if there are Pharisees in and amongst the disciples, their hearts are turned towards money, which means I can still be sitting in this room and have my heart focused on the wrong thing. And once more, the Pharisees, their focus was on following the law. That was, that was their stated goal, to follow the letter of the law. Every single pen stroke and dot of the law was there where they were going to usher in Messiah. And so this is what Jesus has to say to them in the midst of that, knowing that that's their focus. He said to them, you are the ones who justify yourselves in the eyes of others, but God knows your hearts. What people value is highly detestable in God's sight. The law and the prophets were proclaimed until John, but since that time, the good news of the kingdom is being preached, and everyone is forcing their way into it. It is easier for heaven and earth to disappear than for the least stroke of the pen to drop out of the law. They're focused, they're focused on doing God's thing, but they're not doing it God's way. Which is now our opportunity. Our opportunity to do this God's way, to show God's people that we love them his way in our relationships. When we get home at the end of the day, when we're tired, do we turn on the TV and veg out, or do we say, you know what, it's going to be a bit much, but I can take five minutes to text a friend and say, hey, thinking about you. Do we, do we turn on the TV because we're tired, or do we say, you know what, I am tired, but I can take five minutes just to read the Bible today. And then I can, I, I can take five minutes just to, just to pray, just me and God, let's just take five minutes and pray. Uh, my day's over but at, le- at least it's something where I can tell God and show God with my time that I love him and that he is more of a priority than my tiredness. Or, or then again, as we use our space, you see we all, we all have the, this, this 12 foot, six feet in any direction at any one time space that we have. How do we use our space? Because right now we have to stay physically far from one another. But we are given our space today to be who we are and follow God's ways. Which is really highlighting the importance of what I'm starting to call, I just started today actually, but I, I, I like this, the fourth dimension. Where we have this, this internet fourth dimension of social media, where people can see how we interact with each other. When, when someone says something we don't like, how do we treat them? Do we have to say anything at all? Or can we just keep scrolling? Can we just walk away? Or, or when we're walking around trying to be healthy and get outside and at least get some sunshine, if we see something we don't like, do we just take a picture of it and blow someone up on, on the internet because it's probably their fault? Or do we try and make decisions to show people that we're part of the solution and work, work and respond in love? Is our priority to show people that God loves them or that we want to be right? Or that we want to do things our way, or that we want our rights first. Because on this, on this Independence Day weekend, we have this amazing opportunity in the way that we use our rights to show others that we love them. And that our discomfort can be for their love and comfort and health. Our discomfort can show them that we love them. Because if all we're focused on is getting ours and our rights and our money right now because it's available, 
then all we're going to see is the money fall out the bottom of our bag. But if we're focused on taking care of our relationships and our friends and our neighbors first, then we will constantly see them prosper. We will constantly see them grow. And we will constantly see ourselves be taken care of as well in the same way Joseph was. So right now we're going to start moving towards a time in communion. We're going to uh, have to open up these, these fun little packs that have these two different little, little pieces to them. You have a little one and then a, a, a thicker silver one. Uh, but, but as you get that open, I'm going to take kind of a minute to, to cover what it is that I'm talking about today. That, that we've been given our time and we've been brought to this place not because it was an accident or a surprise. And in the same way the children of, of Israel were freed from Egypt in the midst of plagues, they were sent out into the wilderness and taken care of by God. And 2020 is starting to feel like it's got a lot of plagues in it, so I'm ready for something new. But I also know that if 2020 leads to a wilderness, I know God fed his people with manna and quail every day for 40 years, and he had their backs the whole time. And I know today that God has our backs the whole time, and this isn't a surprise for him at all. He knows what happened yesterday. He knows what we're going through today, and he is ready for what comes next. And, and, and for me, uh, the, the best example I can think of is if in January you had on your 2020 bingo card that we were going to get a stimulus check, can I please have a copy of your bingo card? Because I had no clue that was coming. But between stimulus checks and small business support, God showed that he has the money part covered. Please take care of your relationships, use your time well, and use your space well so that he can see that we love him first. That is what he's asking us today, and that is what we have the opportunity to do as we choose to use our rights well. And in the same way, Jesus used his rights with his disciples at that last supper and he modeled for us exactly what he would have us do. He told them about how his body would be broken. He sat at the, his Passover meal showing his disciples that he loved them in his last hours. And today we get to celebrate his death, burial, and resurrection because there is something on the other side so today we remember that on that night he took the bread and he broke it and he said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's remember him. And then again, he had the cup. The cup that we also use to remember the decisions that Jesus made. The way he prioritized you and I, the way he prioritized his disciples and the way he used his time. And he took the cup and he said, this cup is the cup of the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink in remembrance of me. Let's remember him. Lord God, I thank you and I praise you that we have, that we get to be here at this time. That through these trials, we know that you have our hearts, that you have, have what we need and you know what comes next and that you're ready for us now and that you're ready for, ready for what we don't know. I continue to ask for your wisdom and how we use our time. 
continue to ask for your guidance in how we use our space. And I continue to ask for you to help guide us through our relationships, that we would use these relationships well to glorify you. All these things we pray in your name. Amen. Thanks for checking out this message from Real Life. You can find out more about us by visiting liferotp.com and connecting with us on Facebook and Instagram. Until next time, have a great week.